Welcome to Beyond Great Sex, the podcast that will revolutionize your sex life. I'm Morgan Horn, I'm a sex and intimacy coach, and I am going to give you the tools to create the mind-blowing sex life that you've been craving. When you apply the teachings from this podcast, you will drop the shame, limiting beliefs, and everything else that has been keeping you from enjoying the intimacy that you were designed to experience. Instead, you will unleash your unlimited potential, sexual and beyond. When you work with me, great sex is only the beginning. We're going beyond. Hello, lovelies. How are you? I hope that you're enjoying some nice weather wherever you are listening from. I'm in the south of France. It's lovely. The sun is shining. Sounds like the cicadas are on steroids. I should record this outside or with my windows open to give you some nice background noise. Sex coaching and ASMR all in one. How does that sound? Okay, so today's topic is why you come on your own, but not with your partner. I wanted to talk about this because it is so common for women to have this issue. So many of you come to me telling me that you are able to orgasm on your own, but not when having sex with someone else. And if this is you, let me start by saying that you're not alone. Like I said, it's a very common issue for women. And I feel you. I have been there crying myself to sleep for years thinking I was broken or that something was deeply wrong with me. And turns out I wasn't broken and neither are you. Trust me on this. I don't care if this has happened to you with one sexual partner or 200. You are not broken. In fact, there's probably one of three things that is happening. And that's what we're going to dive into today. Okay, so the first reason why you might find it harder to reach an orgasm with a partner than on your own is that self-consciousness and negative self-talk creep in when you're with someone. Many women find it incredibly hard to let go and enjoy the moment when having partnered sex because they suddenly drown in thoughts about their looks, about whether they're doing it right, whether their partner is satisfied. And if this sounds familiar, welcome to being a woman. I have yet to meet that one woman who has never been self-conscious about her looks or has never worried more about someone else's needs than her own. We are socialized to appeal to the male gaze, to be the object of our partner's desire. We're not taught to think about what we like, but to make sure that we are liked by others. Negative body image impacts women all over the world. And if you're in the West like me, just turn on your TV and make a no note of the ads that you see. Weight loss supplements for women, anti-aging creams for women, hair removal products for women, diet food programs for women, hair coloring and anti-gray hair products for women, anti-cellulitis creams for women. How often do you see equivalent ads for men? Even just makeup. Nobody tells men that they need foundation to cover their imperfections, right? When was the last time that you left the house with nothing on your face? I mean, as a result of these societal injunctions and imposed body standards, most women develop a negative body image at some point. 
And when having sex with someone, this can cause a flood of negative thoughts about our body, thinking that we're too fat or too skinny, that our breasts are too small or saggy, or that our stomach is too wobbly, our ass too big or too flat, thinking about our cellulitis or loose skin, or worrying about not having waxed or wondering if we smell bad down there. And I could keep going on and on <laughs> with this. And sometimes this leads us to act and to pose, to make sure that our partner only sees our best angle. It can lead us to not want to be touched in certain places. It can lead us to worry about the lighting, to worry about what our partner thinks of our body. Is he turned on? Is he disgusted? We can worry about the noise that we make, the smells. I mean, the list is endless, right? And this self-consciousness and negative self-talk is not just limited to our looks. It also ties into people pleasing and wanting to make sure that our partner is satisfied. Nothing wrong with wanting to please our partner sexually, but women will tend to put their needs aside, more focused on whether their partner is enjoying themselves, especially in heterosexual relationships. And a typical example of this is not asking for what we want, not putting our pleasure first, because we worry that our partner will not enjoy himself. So we focus instead on pleasing him. Another typical example is to fake an orgasm or to exaggerate how much we're enjoying ourselves because we want to make sure that our partner feels good about the sex. And if we don't come, they could feel bad or think that something is wrong with us. And there, there's a mix of, you know, people pleasing, but also fear of rejection. But basically, what I mean to say is that all this incessant thinking and worrying while we're having sex this acting and posing, this pressure to be able to come, in other words, to perform, this tendency to put the other person's satisfaction before our own, to be focused on their pleasure, not ours. What this does is it takes us out of the moment. It prevents us from enjoying all the pleasurable sensations in our body. And this can completely prevent us from having an orgasm. So what do we do about this? I think that the first step is to be aware of this and to know that you're not doing anything wrong if you're struggling with this. This is a collective problem for women and it's because of how we've been socialized. Do you think that men worry half as much about their looks as we do, especially while having sex? No. You know, I talk to men and ask them about this kind of stuff because I'm always curious to learn about how people experience things. And sometimes a guy will tell me that he has put on a few and he doesn't feel that he's in his best shape. But when I ask him if that prevents him from enjoying sex, it's a flat no. If his partner is a yes, he assumes she's attracted enough. And that's where the mind chatter ends. Wouldn't it be great if it was that easy for us? Well, it can, but it takes unlearning what we've learned, undoing our social conditioning. Coaching on body image, people pleasing, and fear of rejection can help immensely in letting go of so much of the messaging that we have internalized. I know it has changed things to such a high degree for me, and it does for my clients as well. But to be honest, I don't think we ever fully get rid of that conditioning. 
I sure I'm not there yet. I have negative thoughts about my body still. And I want to talk about this honestly, because I think that there's a misconception about what loving your body means. When I started on my self-love journey, I thought that I needed to love myself and my body unconditionally in order to be happy and to have a fulfilling relationship and sex life. And I've learned to do so, to love my body unconditionally, but it doesn't look at all like I thought it would. I absolutely love my body. I have love, compassion, and affection for it. However, that doesn't mean I love everything about it all day, every day. I don't always love how it looks. I sometimes wish it would, quote unquote, perform differently. I often wish I didn't struggle with the disorders I'm facing. I sometimes struggle with the changes I see and feel, but I do so love my body. It's like any relationship in your life. You sometimes get frustrated with people you love. You sometimes wish they would behave differently, but you still love them and choose to be with them, right? So all of this is to say that you having negative thoughts about your body doesn't have to stop you from having the sex life that you want. Now, if you absolutely loathe your body and this prevents you from living the life that you want to live, I think coaching is one of the best tools out there because by intentionally changing the narrative that you have about your body, you will start feeling completely differently about it. But what I mean to say is that it's okay if you don't love everything about your body all the time. And it's okay if you have negative thoughts creeping in while you're having sex with your partner. I'm going to tell you what I do when this happens to me, because it does. And when it happens, I focus on my senses. This is the best, most effective way to get out of your brain and into your body, because that's what the negative self-talk does. It prevents you from connecting to your body and feeling all the pleasurable sensations. And that's why you find it hard to orgasm. So next time you're being intimate with your partner and you start noticing yourself getting distracted by those negative thoughts about your body or the worry that you're not doing it right or whatever chatter may be happening, I invite you to take a deep breath and to redirect your attention to your senses. That could be the sound of your partner moaning with pleasure, the smell of their skin, the feeling of their hands touching you, the taste of their salty sweat, etc. And when another thought pops in, you do that again and again and again. The goal is not to reach a point where you never have any negative thoughts ever, because that's just not possible. The brain is a machine designed to think, so thoughts will happen. And science shows that something like 80% of them are negative, and that's because our brain has a negative bias, and it's designed to problem solve, to look for threats, for problems to fix, so it can keep us safe. And I won't go into too much detail about this, because I want to keep on topic, but basically, you will get distracted during sex, and that's okay. But the more you practice being present with your senses, the easier it gets. And you can practice that mindfulness, the presence, being presence in the moment, outside of the bedroom too, because everywhere you go, your brain comes with, right? So practicing being present with your bodily sensations throughout the day will make it that much easier for you to do while having sex.
And you can start by doing this for just a minute or two while sipping a cup of tea, while taking a shower, while walking in the forest, while brushing your teeth, while exercising, while just breathing. Intentionally directing your brain to your bodily sensations will do wonders for you. Not only will you sleep better, you will also be less stressed, you will feel higher levels of satisfaction, and yes, you will have better sex. Because studies show that practicing mindfulness increases sexual desire and arousal, it helps you feel less distracted, it increases your ability to let go and be in the present, it reduces sex-related distress, it even reduces vaginal pain, it enhances pleasure and increases the likelihood of having an orgasm. That's because when you're not caught up in your thoughts in your brain, but actually present in your body, feeling all the feels, you're much more likely to climax. Okay? So, the second most common reason why you might struggle having an orgasm with your partner is if you're not feeling physically or emotionally safe. And this insecurity could come from the relationship itself, or it can be due to something broader, like past experiences or trauma. To feel emotionally and physically safe, we ideally want to create a space of complete trust in our body, in ourselves, and in our partner, where our mind and body can relax, open up, and let go. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail about how not feeling safe can trigger your nervous system and how that impacts your libido and pleasure levels, because Today, I just want to give you pointers as to what might be going on for you if you're able to enjoy sex on your own, but not with a partner. But what I will do is I'll make the next episode of the podcast about safety, because it is such an important piece that it deserves a whole episode on its own. In fact, emotional and physical safety are one of the pillars of a happy and healthy sexuality. Without safety, there can be no pleasure or it will be extremely difficult anyway. So back to you and your partner. Basically, if sex feels uncomfortable, if you're finding it really hard to let go during sex, if losing control during sex with your partner scares you, if you're feeling strong emotions during intimacy, like a lot of resistance or stress, anxiety or fear, or on the contrary, if you're not feeling anything at all, if you tend to feel numb or have a very hard time feeling physical sensations, if your mind tends to want to escape, and I'm not just talking about the typical mind wandering we talked about earlier when thoughts pop into our head, but we can redirect our attention fairly quickly. Here I'm talking real need to escape, feeling like you're not really there. These could all be signs that you're not feeling physically or emotionally safe. And like I said, this can come from your current relationship, but it can also be caused by elements outside of the relationship, which can make it harder to identify at first. I coach women who completely trust their partner and feel really safe in their relationship overall, yet they're triggered when having sex or completely unable to let go and enjoy the moment. And they don't know why until we do a little digging and we uncover that their inner dialogue or past experiences have created a general sense of insecurity that is now coming in the way of their enjoyment of sex. 
Unresolved trauma from past sexual abuse is an obvious one, but there are other patterns that you might not suspect that might trigger you, like having sex too early in the relationship when you're not ready because you're afraid of being judged or hurting the other person's feelings, attacking your body with judgment and self-loathing and pressuring yourself to change in order to be sexually desirable. Pushing yourself to have sex with your partner when you don't feel like it or doing things that you don't enjoy because you want to please them. These are all patterns that could reinforce a general sense of insecurity that now is linked to sex and is preventing you from enjoying sex and fully let go and having an orgasm with your partner. So if we want to build a strong sense of safety that will allow us to embrace our sexual energy and fully let go during sex and enjoy all that juiciness and pleasure, it starts within. We need to start with a lot of self-awareness and exploration. We want to explore the narratives we have about us, about our bodies, about our relationship, about sex and intimacy, and so on and uncover the narratives that don't serve us and come in the way of us feeling safe and secure. And we also want to learn to listen to our body and understand its signals so we can honor its boundaries. Remember that mindfulness that we talked about? We basically need a mind and body approach. To think that sex is mainly physical and a body thing is a mistake. Our largest sexual organ is our brain, and it's all connected. Okay, last but not least, the last reason I want to talk about why you might find it hard to orgasm with your partner is the way that you're having sex. And this is again an issue affecting mostly heterosexual couples. Have you heard of the orgasm gap? If not, let me tell you all about it. Studies show that 95% of heterosexual men report usually or always orgasming during sex against 65% of heterosexual women. And by the way, fun fact, 85% of lesbian women report usually or always orgasming during sex. So as you can see, this difficulty to orgasm during partnered sex tends to happen far more for women who have sex with men. And the average time to orgasm during intravaginal sex is 5.4 minutes for men, against 13.41 minutes for women. So basically, women take on average three times as much time as men to come during intravaginal sex. And the average duration of heterosexual sex lasts little over five minutes. So basically, when he's done, the sex ends. So if your partner tends to come when you're having sex, but you're left without an orgasm, it's not because you're broken, it's because of how you and your partner are having sex. I want to invite you to reflect on what sex typically looks like for you and your partner. How long does it tend to last? What typical things do you tend to do? Is there a sort of sequence of events? If you were to take me through a scenario, what would it be? The way sex is usually depicted in mainstream porn or even just regular movies and TV shows is a couple kissing, perhaps a little bit of foreplay, and then penetration, boom, orgasm, done. 
And that in real life usually leaves women hanging because as we saw, we need far more time to climax than men when we're having intravaginal sex. Also, a vast majority of women cannot orgasm from vaginal penetration alone because it doesn't stimulate the clitoris enough. In fact, 81.6% of women don't orgasm from intercourse alone without additional clit stimulation. Only 18.4% of women report that intercourse alone is sufficient to orgasm. Which leads me to discuss the issue of foreplay. Do you know what the definition of foreplay is? Foreplay is defined as the sexual activity that precedes intercourse. Intercourse being defined as sexual contact between individuals involving penetration, especially the insertion of a man's erect penis into a woman's vagina, typically culminating in orgasm and the ejaculation of semen. So the way I see it, there are three main problems with the word foreplay. First, it amounts to saying that everything short of vaginal penetration is just a means to get there, but not the real thing. Foreplay is just the warm-up, a way to achieve sufficient sexual arousal to prepare for the grand finale, penis and a vagina, and ejaculation. We are sacralizing vaginal penetration and essentially saying that digital, oral, or any other means of pleasure are not sex, but only a means to get to the point where we do have sex, through penetration. So unless there is vaginal penetration, we quote-unquote didn't go all the way. We didn't really have sex, right? Number two, it supposes that there is a chronological order of events during sex and that there is a before so you start with the before sex, some flirting and gazing, then you kiss for a while, then you proceed to using your hands, after that you go down on each other. At that point, the oven should be preheated enough to insert the meat, now you can have sex. Penetration, ejaculation, boom, mission accomplished, right? And the third problem with the word foreplay is it negates the experience of an entire part of the population who does not engage in vaginal penetration, including homosexual people and people with disabilities. So what happens when two people pleasure each other without vaginal penetration? Is it called foreplay, except the real thing never happens? No, right? So I invited you to reflect on how you're having sex with your partner and to kind of run me through a scenario. Now, I want to invite you to delete the word foreplay from your vocabulary and assume that all means of pleasure are just sex and that there is no logical sequence of events during sex. Now, what would great sex look like to you? How would you love to have sex with your partner? And is there anything different from the previous scenario? If we want to bridge the orgasm gap, we need to look at sex differently. As I see it, there is no sequence of events. There is no before sex, also known as foreplay, and then the real thing. There is only play. Sex doesn't have to be goal-oriented, the goal being to reach an orgasm, preferably through penetration, right? Instead, let's focus on pleasure and having fun together. It's like going on a treasure hunt. 
getting excited about trying things, experimenting with each other, exploring each other's bodies with curiosity. It's about connecting with one another, talking and laughing during sex, kissing with passion, taking your time, changing positions, using body parts in no particular order, inviting more fluidity and spontaneity in your pleasure sessions together, playing with toys, stimulating different erogenous zones, playing with textures and temperature like lube and ice cubes, making eye contact, delaying the orgasm. I could keep going on and on with this list, trust me. And if you don't know exactly where to start with all this, I would just advise you a couple of things. Number one, while having sex with your partner, make pleasure the only goal. Let pleasure be the guide. I guarantee you that you cannot go wrong with that. And you will be far more likely to orgasm if you don't pressure yourself to come. Number two, don't be afraid to take your time and to ask for what you want, for what you need. If that's your partner going down on you for 30 minutes, so be it. And before your inner critic or guilt comes in for putting your pleasure first or quote unquote taking too long, let me ask you this. Do you think your partner would worry that it's taking too long or that you're not enjoying yourself when you're doing things for them? Probably not, right? So why should you? Another thing you can do, if you and your partner know that it's easier for them to come, perhaps make it a fun rule that they're not allowed to come until you do. Delay their orgasm and make your pleasure the focus until you can match their level of arousal and perhaps even come together sometimes. And perhaps decide to have sex without penetration sometimes. That's another thing you can do, just to kind of push you to get creative and to explore other ways to pleasure each other. Okay, lovelies, that's it for today. As a quick summary of what you can do if you find it difficult to orgasm with your partner, but you're able to get there on your own. Number one, get coached on your thoughts, beliefs about yourself, your body, your relationship, your desirability, and so on. Number two, practice mindfulness, being present with your senses in and out of the bedroom to increase pleasure and likelihood of orgasming. And number three, change the way you're having sex. Make pleasure the goal. Take a slow sex approach. What if you guys agreed that you come first? Practice being present in the moment and feeling all the feels. Obviously, today's talk focused on three main things I see getting in the way of women orgasming with their partner, but the list is non-exhaustive. And if you feel like there's something else for you and you just want to discuss it, just book a session in my calendar, okay? I'll add the link to the episode summary. We'll discuss anything that you want help with, and I'll give you some pointers as to what could help. All right, lovelies, I'll speak to you soon. Bye. If you have loved this episode, please add a rating, write a review, and share it around to help spread the word to all the women out there who need to hear this. I am so grateful for you listening. And if you are ready to take this work deeper, book your discovery session with me at www.morganhorn.com. That is M-O-R-G-A-N-E-H-O-R-N.com. We will explore any issue you would like help with and you will learn all about my coaching program so you can get started on creating the sex life of your wildest dreams. I will see you there.